Wave Troubleshooters John Bowl, Natalia Martinez, and Mark Stevens take you behind the investigation on Wave Now. Hello, I'm Mark Stevens, one of the troubleshooters here with John Bull. This is another one of our podcasts, Wave Troubleshooters Behind the Investigation. John, you just did another story on a drug house, more than just a drug house, though. But before we get into the story, you've done a number of these really undercover video heavy investigations. I know people are wondering, just as I am, how do you get some of this stuff? What is your process? Okay, so it's interesting. I went 25 or 30 years ago, I went to an investigative reporting seminar in Chicago, and they had a whole session on, this is just when hidden camera was getting popular, um, and they had a whole session on doing undercover and a lot of the things that you don't think of when you're doing undercover. So when I embed myself in a neighborhood, okay, obviously it's dangerous. Right. People ask me why I don't have security with me. We do. We have security with us when we do the confrontations mm -hmm. at the drug houses, but uh, the, the, the fewer people, the better, because it reduces your chance of getting seen. So the first thing you have to do when you roll into a scene, and you're, you're try, you have to pick out a good spot to do your surveillance. Okay? So when you get an address? When I get an address, the first thing I do is I just start circling around looking for a spot, because you have to pick out a spot that is not too close, or you'll get made. You have to pick out a spot that's not too far away. You can go heavy zoom, but you have to have an angle on the activity to be able to capture it. But one of the more important things that people don't think about is you have to pick a spot where nosy neighbors, rightly so nosy neighbors, won't see you. Yes. Uh, because then the neighborhood talks. Hey, there's a, I think that's John Bowl over there. I think somebody's sitting in a car out in our neighborhood, right? Word gets around and, and it's over. Yeah, so I and, that's, and that's happened to me before. I've, yes. I've been, I don't do anywhere near as much as you've done on this, uh, but I was working a story where I was trying to figure out if someone actually lived at a house that I thought to try and set up a confrontation. Right. Um, and, of course, I, all of a sudden a neighbor comes out and knocks on the car I'm in, and I'm sitting there going, well, go, go away. Right. <laughs> so that, this can be trial and error. You have to pick out a spot where there's, you know, if you're in a neighborhood, I, Portland neighborhood, I've had a, uh, trouble on a number of times because, like, in the summer, everybody's out on the porch. Families, kids running around, kids playing in the street. That's not going to work. They're going to see you no matter how good you are. Uh, at your chameleon effort, to, which I'll get into in a minute. But you got to pick out a spot where there's, where there's maybe in front of a vacant house. Um, it, uh, in this most recent investigation we're going to show you here in a minute, on, on Broadway, I had a perfect spot under a big shaded tree in front of a church. And almost nobody was coming and going from the church when I picked my hours to do my surveillance. Sure. So that worked out perfectly. Uh, but you, uh, okay, in the vehicle, uh, you have before to be, Before we get to that, yeah. so you mentioned a big shady tree. I gotta imagine you can't. You're no heat, no air conditioning, no. Yes. So that is that is the hardest part of surveillance is you can't sit there and run your air conditioning or your heater in the winter. So you have to. Uh, I'll be in a tank top sometimes and shorts, sweating my, you know what off, uh, uh, and also you have. You, so you, you'll crack the windows to get a little bit of airflow going through there, uh, but you have to you have to be a chameleon. You have to dress up in the same colors as the interior of your car. Okay. Okay. Because I've had a number of times where I thought for sure somebody was going to make me, right outside the car, and they look right at me and they don't see me because I'm slouched way down. I'm the same color as the interior. Uh, I may or may not be wearing a hat the same color as that. Um, and the car's not on. Uh, and so I usually get by with it. But, but there are times, 
Even in this investigation, we're going to show that uh, a woman was coming down the other side of the street and just turned, and I don't know if the sun was right or something. Her eyes locked right on me. I thought, no way. She saw me. She comes right across the street and starts messing with me, asking for money, different things, and tries to get in my car uh, in the back seat. I had it all locked, obviously. That, oh, that's the other thing. I have the keys in the ignition because I've had some really, really bad run-ins. A number of years ago, I, had, uh, I was in the back of a van looking out the back, and I was taking some chances that I shouldn't have. I wasn't in a really good spot. And you get caught up in looking through your viewfinder of your camera, yeah. and you don't see what's going on around right. you. You get tunnel vision. Right. You're and focused I, on the shot. And I heard somebody say, yo, what you doing? And I looked up, and my, my van was encircled by gang members. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And so I, 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 I said, I'm a private investigator watching somebody. Kind of a lie, kind of not. And they said, no, you ain't. You're, you're watching us right down here. They knew exactly what I was doing. Sure. The drug activity down the street. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I turned. I was in the back of the van, keep in mind. And I turned, and I just bounded up through the van, jumped in the seat, turned down the ignition, and punched it. And they all piled into a car behind me and followed me. I was on the radio back then, two-way radio to the station. Hey, I'm being followed. Uh, you know, call the cops kind of thing. And I, it, it was like a high speed chase scene out of a movie. I was coming up on the Waterson. This is over in the Taylor Boulevard area, coming up on the Waterson towards 65. And I waited right till the last second where one of those cement barriers started for, for the off ramp to go on 65 South. And at the very last second, I veered off and they couldn't follow me because all of a sudden, by the time I did that, right, the cement right. barrier was God. between us. And so I was gone. I was, I was fine then. Oh, I got to imagine you're, yeah, you're yeah, fine. Your that was, that was the closest I ever came to something really, really bad happening. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so you got you to be a chameleon. You got to pick a spot where, where people won't see you. Neighbors won't notice you're in the neighborhood. And then you have to have an angle on the action. And you have to be prepared to freeze or in the summertime sweat. Sure. And then you also, and this is in the production, but I'm, I'm curious. Because you're logging, uh, so you're, and I shouldn't use that phrase. So you come back to the station with the video that you've got. Yes. You've got a, you're watching it, and you're taking notes. So I'm curious, when you're capturing with your equipment, do you see all the time what okay, you have? Or, you, or sometimes you're just gambling like, that might be it, but you don't know. That's a great question. It, most of the time, I think I know what's going on, but sometimes I'm zoomed so far down the road into the activity uh, and I can't quite exactly make out whether it's a, a bag, whether it's a cell phone or a gun, for instance. And I, I get back to the station, and when I'm logging my, my, all my video, it is then that I discover, wow, I, I just got video of a gun. Wow, I, that's a, clearly a bag of white crack rocks. You know? it, it isn't until I get back here most of the time that I discover exactly what I got. So again, and I know as a reporter, it takes time to, to basically gather the evidence so you can build up the story. Right. Uh, and I know everything varies, but how long does it take to put one of these stories together? Like how many nights do you have to go out and get what it is that you need if you don't yeah. have the shot? So it, it depends. It can be as little as uh, one of the investigations I did last year was at 26th and Madison, uh, right across the street from a police substation. That place was so unbelievably busy. It only, I only had to go five or six times and when I say 
times, I'll only go usually for a half hour or an hour at a time and then get out of there because it's not a good idea to sit somewhere for a long, long mm. time. You will eventually get mad. Sure. So five, four, five, six times, and I had that one. Sometimes it takes a lot of time um, because uh, the people, the drug dealer's not home. Uh, the activity is not furious. You, you, you're getting plenty of coming and going, and you know exactly what's going on because they're getting their cash out and coming back out with their hands in their pockets, but you don't have the money shots of actual to be able to prove that it's drugs. Right, right. All right, so that's, that's some more that's background, right. but let's, let's roll the latest story. Okay, so let's set this up. So uh, last year, uh, if you follow Wave News, you know that uh, I did a number of investigations uh, uh, and we, we wrapped them all up together and entered them this last year in the, in this, the series of investigations we did on, this, on the drug house and the, the failure to respond to them. Just recently won an Emmy Award. Uh, uh, we, we were responding to, I mean, I've been doing drug house investigations for a long time, but the weirdest thing was happening over the last year or two is that when I talk to the complainants and the neighbors in the neighborhood, uh, they say, yeah, yeah, we called police. And they told us, stop calling. I thought, stop calling? Like, not only would they not respond or, or catching the bad guys, they, they were telling people, we don't even want to hear your story. And I thought that that was really, really weird. And we didn't, I couldn't get any answers through all that whole series of investigations until the final report, we were able to sit down with outgoing police chief Erica Shields at the time. Uh, and we were, we were shocked when we asked her why they haven't been responding when she said, uh, if you respond to drug houses, you might get another Breonna Taylor incident. Sure. So the, the, the complaints have kept coming since that last story aired late last year. I, uh, what I'm about to sh uh, show you here and play for you is um, I've, the complaints keep coming, as you know. Yep. You, you see the troubleshooter tips. Yep. You get them all the time. I get, and I get individual ones all the time. And so I went out to see if anything has changed. And then we also hook up with the new police chief and ask the question, all right, the previous chief said, we don't want to even look into these things because we don't want another Breonna Taylor incident. What are your thoughts on it? So here we go. I'm John Bull with Wave News. Hey, don't jump over the fence. 26th and Madison. We do drugs. We don't, we don't sell I drugs. Just, 27th and Slevin. I want to ask you about this drug operation that's running here on this house. Twenty fifth and Slevin. We're doing a story on this being a drug house right here. I don't you know about it? no drug house, man. Fourth and Oak. Neighbors taking photos while I'm recording video of heroin and crack rocks being bagged up and distributed to long lines of paying customers, just like all the other places. And the same frustration from neighbors who called police before calling me. The police are not doing anything. Uh, they say it's not a uh, priority right now under the current administration. So. When we asked outgoing Louisville Police Chief Erica Shields why people complaining of drug dealing houses terrorizing their neighborhoods were being told to stop calling, this is what she said. If you're going after drugs, you may get Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor did nothing. There was nothing in her apartment that was illegal. There's a much greater risk that you're assuming and it's not always with the best of consequences. And it's not to say you can't make impactful drug arrests, but you also, you also can't overstate the significance of what a drug arrest means. Since January, when Chief Shields stepped down, the same complaints have not slowed down to me about drug houses and related shootings like this one. 
4106 West Broadway, multiple incidents of drug activity, gang activity, and gun violence on a daily basis. I'm contacting the governor and Kentucky State Police, asking they intervene on an emergency basis due to the Louisville police not doing their sworn duty. When I start watching 4106 West Broadway, I record a flurry of people coming and going every hour and more hand-to-hand -hand exchanges than I have time to show you. But the alleged drug activity isn't confined to 4106. It's everywhere around 41st and Broadway. A sea of hand-to-hand -hand exchanges all hours of the day. Walk-ups, drive-ups, bike-ups, and no hiccups until one night, one hour after I stop recording, the bullets fly again. This is unbelievable, the homeowner messaged me. My house was shot and occupants nearly killed. Bullets hit cars and houses. Several of my residents were nearly shot. This is the second time bullets have hit my house. This is an outrage. But no one else appears outraged in the days that follow because nothing changes. Same activity every time I watch while children walk by and buses unload kids right in the middle of it. So I come out from undercover with a security team and approach the house. Hi. I'm John Bull with Wave News. Yeah. We are following up on complaints about this house and others, but specifically this house, about it being a drug house. Nah, Do you know anything no, about that? Nah, nah. You live here? Yes. This ain't no drug house. Portions of tied-off plastic baggie wrapping litters the ground. Now, I've been sitting back and watching and seeing a lot of people coming and going. And it looks like a lot of... It's not no drug house. I'm okay. a veteran. I live here. Okay. I know. I've been living here longer than he has. You go next door or somewhere else with that, man. For real. I noticed a lot of it in the, in the neighborhood, yeah, too. Yeah, it's always in the West End. We asked the new Louisville police chief if her administration is still refusing to deal with drug dealing houses. We know that having a drug house in your neighborhood, it impacts your quality of life. We take that very serious, but how we address it makes the difference. And so with that, we did launch the narcotics hotline um, earlier part of this year, but also too, we have our impact teams within the division. How we go about addressing those um, narcotic houses is makes the difference. Then I get a complaint that says a group of guys are selling drugs every day in front of the apartments at 1026 South 4th. One with a pistol in his pocket with an extended clip kind of brazen. Sure enough, when I start watching that spot, it's exactly as described. Guys hanging out for hours, hand-to-hand -hand exchanges, and this guy pretending he's firing a gun while it appears he has a gun under his shirt protruding up from his waistband and he keeps checking it. I notice another guy carrying around a navy blue fanny pack. Later that same evening, police are dispatched to 1026 4th on a trouble run involving multiple African-American males armed with handguns pointing them at vehicles and bystanders. One still holding the handgun in front of his waistband. He fled on foot, tossed a loaded Smith & Wesson 9mm. Officers caught him with a navy blue fanny pack in which officers recovered multiple different narcotics all wrapped in small plastic bags. Andrew Johnson was charged with possession of opiates, meth, fleeing police, and disorderly conduct. The officer noted subjects' actions caused alarm and nuisance to multiple innocent bystanders. The same thing residents have been complaining about and the same thing the new chief vows to tackle. Every child within Louisville should have a right to be able to play in their backyard as well as their front yard without being impacted by criminal activity. That's our job, but doing it the right way because it makes a difference. Okay, so, and one uh, important footnote to that story is the 
Erica Shields, former chief, also said when we asked her why they were telling people to stop calling, she said, even when we make drug busts, drug house busts, that the uh, the, peop the people walk out the back of the jail same day. Mm -hmm. So we checked on that Andrew Johnson, and sure enough, he already was out of jail. So she's right about that. Sure. Yeah. One of the things, though, now that we've got this this change in, in police administration, are you seeing or hearing? Well, that, yeah. So that the bottom line are actually changing? yeah. So the bottom line of that story is we were able to chronicle, document evidence like you seldom see of a complaint. Here they are. I'm videotaping the very dudes, and an LMPD promptly responds and arrests the guy. So that shows promise to me. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but, but, uh, but obviously there's a bigger issue. I mean, bonding out's one thing. You know, well, what happened? You know, I don't. You know, are you going to follow the case as far yeah. as yeah. going it, through court and whether it's a jail sentence? Yes, or and I'm I'm going to be following a case here uh, very soon. I've already got some of the work done on it of a of a, another high profile drug house spot that I did a story on, and one of the guys uh, after very few of the times I do these stories do I get contacted by police officers uh, who say. All right, that was bad. We got to do something about that. I, and, and in this one case, one of them did. He came into the station even asking me for some help, and I gave him all the help I could. And they did make a bust after that. And I want to see what happened to that guy because they made a major bust. Dude had guns and thousands of dollars in cash and the whole bit. So I want to see what ended up happening to him. Sure. I did that one time. We um, there there was a a proclamation made by the Commonwealth Attorney's Office six or eight or ten years ago of. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go light. We're gonna go lighter on drug possession and hard on drug trafficking. Okay. Uh, because the possession is, you know, we're gonna get them help. We're gonna, it's addiction issue, and we, sure. we need to fight that. But we're gonna go after the traffickers. So we. So rather than necessarily the addicts, right. The users. We're gonna help the addicts. Yeah. We're gonna pounce on the traffickers. And so uh, what we did was we tested that out. We, you know, every day we go and get arrest slips every mm -hmm. day. And I, and I had our, our guy who goes and gets the arrest slips for a three month span, save every single drug, bust, possession, or trafficking, and then I waited. I must have waited almost a year to see what ended up happening to the traffickers to see if indeed they were making good on the promise. And the bottom line was they weren't. Mm -hmm. the, the, these traffickers were still getting off with, with, with nothing. So I need to revisit that. Sure. Yep. More to come. More to come. Lots more of you hiding out in plain sight. <laughs> And that's as far as I'm going to go describing it. <laughs> I'm still alive. Yeah, I'm still alive. All right, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Wave Troubleshooters Behind the Investigation. For Mark Stevens, I'm John Ball. Have a good day.